Hello and welcome aboard Fighting Catholic Jet Lag. My name is JC and I'll be your host for this podcast. I'm a flight attendant and I'm on a journey to find my place within the Catholic Church. I'll be accompanied by my friend and co-host, Father Larry Hostetter, a priest of 34 years and a doctor of sacred theology. He's a Catholic University president. And for our discussion, he'll serve as spiritual ground control to keep things on course for our flight back to faith. We'll be navigating through difficult and uncomfortable issues, so prepare for a bit of turbulence along the way. There won't always be easy answers, but no subject will be off the table. If you're ready to explore your own doubts and questions and reclaim your faith with us, then sit back, buckle up, relax, and enjoy our flight to faith. Whenever I'm in a hurry, that's what goes through my head. What? You recognize the melody? Do it again. James Bond, you're right. Yeah. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our podcast. JC just stepped out of the room to put away her dishes. We're just finishing up a wonderful Shogun meal. As you listen to us, welcome back to our podcast, especially to our new listeners. JC, are you coming back anytime soon? All right. Yes. Why would you start that when I was out of the room? Because was that on purpose? No, because I was starting and you just walked out. <laughs> so I'm just back from a trip, as you all know. Who if you listened to last week's episode, you know I was in Colorado last week, had a great time. Yeah. Uh, back in town now, and uh, Jacy's heading off, I guess, to work or someplace. Or I'm actually I'm I'm leaving this week for something else it's not i won't be working but i'll be flying and i'm going to guatemala have you ever been to guatemala no that's Neither on my list is i'd like to do central and south america one day yes. but i've never never have been yeah further south than mexico so okay well if i go back for this then yes yeah, so what are you doing in guatemala okay so a few weeks ago a girl that I was in training with, she reached out to me about this group within my airline who they they travel all over the world and they serve underprivileged children. And it's called Caring Crew. And it's a program and it was created by two Delta flight attendants who decided they wanted to use their job to positively impact the lives of children. And they wanted to do it in the cities that they regularly laid over in. Um, So they started collecting books and clothing and holding fundraisers and they would go down to, you know, different cities that they were laying over in and throw Christmas parties for the kids. So this week we're going down to meet a new group of children in Guatemala and I'm really excited. Being in this industry, you have a lot of opportunity to serve, which is pretty cool. I'm also in one that's for animal rescue and transport. Did I tell you about that? I think I heard about that. So this is yes. where you take like dogs that need to get from yes. one end of the country to the other. And, yes. and I mean, they pay for the flights and everything or? With, so with the animal transport, um, we, we can take, they don't charge us to have an animal companion. And so a couple of flight attendants realized, well, this is great. There are animals that need to be kind of transported all over. So let's use our benefits for something good. So it's really cool. Like I'm in this Facebook group for it and we'll get a message that says, oh, there's a dog in Los Angeles that needs to be transported to Kalamazoo. And so you'll have flight attendants that, 
oh, I'm in Los Angeles. I can take it to from point A to point B. Can someone meet me here? And they organize all of this. And it's completely ran by flight attendants and pilots. Um, and the airline supports it. One that I'm doing, Karen Crew, this week, they, they've they actually endorsed it, which I think is pretty cool. That's so nice. Yeah. And how the airline comes into it is they these flight attendants realize that there is a lot of cargo space that isn't being used. So what they'll do is they'll collect medical supplies and, and lots of stuff, and they'll pack it all up, and they'll So do you cargo. ask the community, local community, to help? They do. They do. Stuff. Yes. We, I, we could do that at the university really? here. Oh, yeah. We could ask the students to donate stuff. In fact, and staff, so they, would, cool. they would really step up on something like that, I think. That would be really cool. I'll have to let them know this week that you might be interested. Um, so if I want to take my dog with me on vacation, can I? <laughs> Can I use this system somehow? Uh, no, I would have to uh, take it for you. That okay. means if you if you use me to take your dog somewhere, I'm coming on vacation with you. Okay, well, and <laughs> that goes for everyone. Sounds like the dog staying at home. Yes, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I adopted Daisy. Uh, our our age, she lived to eighteen year old, eighteen years old, Dachshund, and we we adopted her when she was fourteen. And we found her, went and picked her up, and it was really cool. So it's an awesome organization. Daisy often comes up as the dachshund in heaven. And those the of you who are, want to argue with that, this is probably not the person to argue about where dogs go. Well, <laughs> <laughs> she she was she was great, but she definitely had an attitude. She was a little old lady with a little old lady attitude. So, so this actually leads us really nicely into our topic for tonight, uh, the idea of service and how, it, especially it's connected to the, the mass. Uh, yeah. We're talking a little bit about the mass, the Eucharist today. Uh, but before that, do you have any clarificationals that you need to get off your chest? Um, no, but I, I, my mom called me about different things this week. No clarificationals from little B. Okay. So we're all set. You what did you? want to be sure that everybody understood that you were vaccinated. I, I'm, I'm definitely vaccinated. Yeah, okay. yeah, yes. I, so, uh, <laughs> yeah. Those of you that don't know, maybe your first time listener, our clarificationals where we tried to take something that we said in the previous episode that maybe wasn't real clear, or we feel like we need to, you know, develop a little bit further. Um, and yeah, say the name for it again. Clarificational. Which it's like is going to the confessional, except we're going hilarious. to the clarificational. We are clarifying. I what... feel like we need to start it though by saying it's been. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> we can't confuse people. That'd be something we have to clarify next okay. week. The clarificational yes. is not the confessional. We were not being it, disrespectful. It, it, so of it, you're, the once again, it doesn't count. I can I can sure. definitely clarify. You can definitely that a uh, priest friend of mine noted. Um, Father Jim. Yeah, Father Jim. Uh, he, I made him listen to some of this. Um, and did he no, like it? He he, said yeah, he did. He did guy. like it. He's not a podcast guy, but he did say that maybe um, I should let JC talk a little bit more. I've got to say, no one has ever said that. So, Father Jim, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, um, and I said last week that we have, uh, that I had a clarification from episode two. So the only clarification that I have is that I can't remember what the clarification from episode two was. So okay. if you're confused about anything from episode two, just send us an email. So Father Larry could remember. You need to write these things down. I think uh, Rebecca is waving her uh, fans at us, but I don't know what she So Rebecca is our um, 
producer. Yeah, Lauren is not here. Y'all know Dr. Dr. McCrary is not here this evening. She, she is, is on her third vacation. Third or Take fourth, that out. Third Take or fourth that. vacation <laughs> this year. She travels more than I do. And I'm <laughs> so unbelievably jealous. She is... Um, I'll show you a picture, but uh, again, I don't think it works through the... Um, no, show them. They'll see it. <laughs> through the microphone. Put it on the Instagram post. And what is that Instagram? At, uh, fighting Catholic Jet Lag on Instagram. We'll get Lauren's permission to put her picture on oh, vacation It's first. one of her best ones. Yeah, so yeah. I, we You said it's her... What did you call it? Prof? Prof pick. Prof pick. All right. So are we ready to get to content? We've kind of come to a name, right? And remember last time we asked people to suggest names yes. and we did our friend Sarah yes. suggested she she mentioned that when you get to the meat and potatoes of it and And then so what did you say? Fish and potatoes. We, we can call this the fish and, and potatoes, potatoes section. Because we're Catholic. We're Catholic. We and you know, fish. and at one point, uh Catholics were disparaged, uh, were made fun of. Yeah. And <laughs> one of the names I one of the names that we were called was fish eaters hey. or mackerel snappers. Have you ever heard that one? Mackerel snappers. It was a Never it was a disparaging name directed against Catholics. That is hilarious. Uh, why? Because uh, in the olden times, Catholics never ate meat on Friday. Now today, and we, that was year round. That was year round. Year round. Uh, nowadays, we do it during Lent, right? Yeah. I'm still Friday supposed it's to be a day of penance. Friday's still supposed to be a day. When do you something. crave meat the most? Fridays during Lent. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Right, right. That's a pizza. Pizza, with, yes. Not with just like, a cheese pizza, just but cheese. yeah. That, for actually, the hardest time for me is Ash Wednesday yeah. uh, uh, because it's a fast day, you know, so you're supposed to only have one main meal, two smaller meals. We'll do that an episode on the Lent when we get closer to Lent. But I'm always starving. In the evening. He's the devil. Yeah. <laughs> well, I will wait up till midnight. I've waited. I have been known to wait up till midnight on Ash Wednesday into Thursday just so that I could eat something. Yeah. That's good. yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, that's awesome. So Father Larry has a rosary purse, which is great. It's a key. It's a key. It's my keychain. Uh, oh, oh, this is gorgeous. Where'd you get this? Uh, I think it was a shrine in Washington, D.C. I like it because it's small and doesn't take up a lot of space. Yeah, I like that. I really like that. Were you a part of the group in, what was it, 2007 that was wearing um, rosaries as necklaces? <laughs> I don't think was so. That, was that you? <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I'm all about the style, as <laughs> you can tell tonight. Well, hey, check our check our Instagram at Fighting Catholic Jet Lag, and we will post Father Larry's cool rosary. And um, how about getting to fish and potatoes now? I'm excited about fish and potatoes tonight. I'm so glad you brought that up because I actually have one more Kiki item to talk about. Okay. I'm just kidding. No, you're just kidding. Okay. <laughs> well, Jim did say to let you talk more. Yeah, he did. So thanks, Jim. I'm doing it. <laughs> okay, okay. So fish what's the topic? Fish and potatoes because we're Catholic. And we're getting to the heart, not to the meat of the program, but to the fish the of the main, program. The main course. The main course. The main course. If you will. Yeah. Yeah. We okay. spend a lot of time with appetizers, which is okay. We you spend know... <laughs> I love appetizers. Yeah. I mean, we sometimes, you know, you get you get all the appetizers, you eat the bread and you eat, you know, whatever That's that you're getting. So great. 
And I then mean, by the time the main meal comes around, you're stuffed. Everyone at this point is stuffed. They've had right. so So much. good night, everybody. We'll good see night. you later. No dinner. We're just going to pack it up All to right. go. Um, okay. So for fish and potatoes, I wanted to see if we could talk about something today that um, – was recently in the news and it kind of goes along with our keeping up with the catechisms Mm -hmm. corner. So it's going to be all in one today. Is that cool with you? Yep. Okay. So recently Pope Francis released something saying that the mass can no longer be said in Latin, right? Not really, but close. Yeah. I mean, there's, it has to do with clarificational, write it down, Rebecca. It has to be the traditional Latin mass. (laughs) Okay. Something about a Latin mass. So can you, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. It was actually in in Catholic news. It was kind of, uh, you know, huge uh, breaking news. Um, But maybe just a little bit of historical background first. Um, So, you know, in the Catholic church, we believe the mass goes back to the last supper when Jesus met with the disciples before the crucifixion and the resurrection. Right. And then Christians commemorated that through a sacred meal that has evolved over the centuries. And the basic elements that we have today have always been there. A beginning, um, a liturgy of the word, a Eucharistic prayer, a prayer of Thanksgiving, and Holy Communion. So you're saying an appetizer, a main meal... Well, an appetizer, a reading before the main meal, and then the main meal, and then receiving, or prayer before the meal and receiving. Full circle. Yeah. And so for Christians, uh, this Mass, especially for Catholics, is is a a way of becoming who we're called to be, becoming the body of Christ by receiving the body of Christ. Um, Yeah. So St. Augustine said, we are, we become what we eat. We eat the body of Christ, we become the body of Christ both individually and in a corporate sense. So over 2,000 years, how Mass is celebrated has been different. You know, at one time it was in Greek, then it was was in Latin, when Latin became the predominant language of the Western Europe. Uh, who has the authority to change? The, the Pope, I'm assuming? For Catholics, from a Catholic point of view, with regard to the Western Rite, and, and there are different rituals. So if you go to Eastern Europe, there's an Eastern Catholic rite, which is celebrated very differently from how we celebrate it. If you go to Ethiopia, you might uh, encounter what's called the Coptic rite, another way. Mm-hmm. And they all are, are mass. We all consider them mass. And they all have those same basic elements, a beginning, yes. reading of the reading of the scriptures, Eucharistic prayer, and Holy Communion. That, those don't change in yeah, any of those rituals. That but is how, really cool. With I know whenever I travel, I mean, that's one of the cool parts about being Catholic is anywhere you go, whether you know the language or not, you pop into a Catholic church and you're going to know what's going on. The basic on. structure. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty cool. So, so by yeah. the 1500s, um, a lot of different types of ways of celebrating Mass had developed. And uh, in response to the Protestant Reformation, the Catholic Church uh, had a council called the Council of Trent. It was, it was trying to respond to the concerns of the reformists, mm-hmm. reformers. And one of the things that at that time that Pope Pius V did is he said, all right, enough with all of this, you know, disunity and masses celebrated in so many different ways. Henceforth, 
in the Western church, again, we'll make clear, this is about the Western church, Western Europe. It does not include the Eastern Rite churches that emerged from Greece and the Eastern part of Europe. So for Western Europe, the mass is going to be this, what, what is called now the Tridentine mass. The Tridentine uh, mass. Tridentine, okay. yeah. And it uh, is all going to be in Latin. Okay. Uh, and everybody does the same thing. So what's, what is Trinitine Mass? Trinitine. Trinitine. Trin it just means that it's related to Trent. Got it. Okay. Uh, and it, it had very specific prayers. The priest was expected to celebrate exactly the same way. And there was no personal, uh, anything, you didn't bring anything personal to the Mass. So your hands, when you were, you were told where to hold your hands for prayer, you know, like we extend our hands and, and they were supposed to be, you know, so many, exactly at shoulder height and so far apart, yeah. where, how you used your fingers were, it was all dictated. Everything down to the last detail was dictated by this mass. So are you into that or? I am really not, but that's what, that's what the mass was from 1500s until 1960, I want to say 1963, with the Second Vatican Council, so where to the Pope and the thing. bishops said, well, I was only two, uh, <laughs> so where the Popes and the bishops said, okay, we need to bring the, the Mass into the modern world. Right. So with that became the development of Mass being in the language of the vernacular, whatever language, so it's in English for us, it's in German in Germany, Italy, right. it's Italian, and they also did away with a lot of the hyper details of the, the, the Latin mass, the traditional Latin mass, so to allow more personal expression, both from the people and the priest, so that it became more of a dialogue. So what you're saying is priests can now add their own flair. Uh, yes, and that's good and bad. And a lot of people think that sometimes, you know, priests do overdo that a little bit. And well, I would probably agree to that. I, it, I mean, our jobs are so similar. It reminds me of there's an airline that when they do like the safety demo, they're they're like always in the news. Oh, they're always they're telling like, stories. They're always and like jokes and uh, yeah. you know, very and they're making it really funny. It's and hilarious. I and we we don't do that at the airline I work for. We keep very structured, right. but anytime there's someone in the news doing the safety demo, it's really funny. I get a lot of tags like, oh my gosh, these people are so much funnier than you are. Like, can you just, can you let them know that we were funny? Like we're, we don't get it's, a lot of it's credit. It's like the we're times I get the YouTube videos of yeah. the priest who sings hallelujah yes. to the wedding couple. And they say, father, you should think about doing this. I say, <laughs> no, I am not doing that. It's not about me. So, Anyway, right. just to make so, sure we okay, don't lose so too much track. So it was always in Latin, but until the 60s. Right. Or was there English too? Well, actually, some of this already started in the 50s. I don't want to get into too much detail because we don't have enough time for it. But already in the 40s and 50s, the reforms of the liturgy were beginning. And so you already had uh, experiments with the readings being done in the language of the people. And the homily being the homily was always done in the language of the people. So was this considered sacrilege for its time? No, because the Pope and the bishops together as one uh, made the decision. So it, it was a decision, we believe, that came from the Holy Spirit through the leadership of the church. Now, there were a lot of Catholics, were there some Catholics who did feel like this was an abandonment of what they call the mass of the ages and that- Can, it, can I just say sure, real sure. quick, every time Father Larry like 
leans in to the mic and his eyebrow goes up. He is about to drop some juicy Catholic goss. And you just did that. So what, what is it? Tell me. I don't remember now. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) you interrupted the flow. The eyebrows have a purpose. And once the eyebrows sink back down, I don't know what I'm going to say next. Okay. We're going to figure this out. All right. So anyway, I think I know. So there were some Catholics who were not happy with this, you know? So for the next uh, 15 years or so, uh, the, the Tridentine, the old mass, the pre-1963 mass, was said primarily by older priests who had special permission uh, because, you know, they just couldn't a- adapt to the new one. Uh, there were e- actually <laughs> Wait, even... So you're telling me they had a problem with saying it in their own language when you say they couldn't adapt to the new way? Yeah, it's, it's, it gets in your bones. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, if you've been a priest for decades... That's there's a lot of muscle memory involved yeah, in that, and and for that. some of them it was just spiritually hard, you know. And so right. the church was just trying to be pastoral to that, but it was a very small minority. But there were actually Catholics who were who were threatening to break away from the church to keep that mass, and there were actual um, ca- bishops who were you know leading a group of Catholics, and that's they they said mass exactly the same way hmm. they did before. And the same rules and everything else that they had before. So John Paul II, St. John Paul II, then in the early 80s, gave permission to expand that Mass a little bit more, to have uh, very dedicated groups where they could celebrate that traditional Mass as a way of keeping this uh, group of people who were dissenting. So you're yeah. saying they allowed for both. They allowed for to both. To kind of keep it But it was happy. was it was within very was very restrictive, however. So along came Pope Benedict and I want to say he did this in somewhere in two, around 2010. I don't know the date. I should have looked that up. But he expanded it even further. So he said if there is a group of Catholics that wants this mass, they can petition the bishop and the bishop can give permission for this mass. And actually, any priest could celebrate this mass anytime they wanted to. Um, and so what happened over the last few years, mm-hmm. it's, you know, last 10, I'm, I'm not sure when it, uh, at least the last 10 years, uh, is you have parishes that have evolved with mm-hmm. just this mass. You have had groups in dioceses and other places where they celebrate this mass. And uh, that's all they do. So if you go to this mass... You will sit in the pew. The priest will be up front. There'll be an altar rail. Mm -hmm. The priest will have his back to the people. Uh, He will be praying in Latin. Uh, If it's what's called a low mass, he'll be praying it quietly. If it's a high mass, he might be singing the prayers, chanting the prayers in Latin. Um, Little B was telling me about high mass. Yeah. I meant to bring that up. I'm I'm like, is it like high tea? Well, it is like high tea. Exactly. You know, it's kind of really special, you know. So high mass, we even have high mass now with the new mass is, is, you know, the smells and bells come out. You get the incense comes out, lots of singing and music and, you know, you, you, you sing everything. Um, 
and you make it really, really special. So they had they some parishes would only have Latin masses. So was that hard for people who were kind of bopping around, didn't make it to Saturday night at Brescia, so they want to go to a different Sunday morning somewhere. They could go there. But- yeah, you could go there. Like uh, the time I went was in Houston, and I was at a conference, and it was, and I needed to go to mass early in the morning, and that's the only one that was available. Wow. What do you think? Well, I, you know, I thought there were parts of it that are very beautiful, but the the overarching thought that came to my mind, and this is my personal take, is it felt like something that was out of place. Um, you know, the mass, as it's evolved, it's why I gave that story about how mass has evolved over 2,000 years. Mass always evolves out of culture. Mm-hmm. It always evolves out of what people think is important. And Wait, so, really? Yeah. And so in when in the 1500s, when Pius V developed that mass, there was much greater stratification in society. You had, you know, nobility, you had common people, you had poor people, and everybody had their place. Women were not treated as equals. And so even if you go to that mass, you'll see women often with their heads covered. Um, and that, that's not necessarily a sign of inequality, but that what did come from a culture where women were expected to have their heads covered in mm-hmm. public, not just in church. Over time, it developed that it stayed in church, but in the rest of the time, women have, had scandalously had their hair uncovered. Um, <laughs> um, and for clarification, every woman in this room has her head, her hair uncovered. So we are not celebrating Latin Mass. We are in not our the pod. traditional Latin Mass. The traditional. Because here's the thing: I can say the new Mass in Latin. Um. <laughs> I didn't write that. <laughs> I just got a I just got a note to tell me to stop fidgeting. Can I write there fidget. so you don't put yeah. fidgeting's fine. I'm touching the table yeah. and I'm making noise. So when y'all hear this, <laughs> that's me. That's me fidgeting. I keep going in like it's from my old days of teaching. I can't help but yeah. gesticulate. Well, thank God for the sorry, thank goodness for the new mask yeah. because you wouldn't have been able to I wouldn't to be locked that. in. I You'd would be, be locked, locked in. in. I would be locked in. So that was a good thing then that came up is that they were allowing more freedom, but some churches, some parishes, some parishioners yeah. wanted to have the option to do the Latin mass right. is what you're saying. Right. So, and you're... So along comes Francis. Long, along comes so Francis. So eight years into his papacy. Oh, uh, he... Which uh, is this year. Yeah. Excuse me. Last week, he said, okay, I think this traditional Latin mass is doing more harm than good. Um, he said, Why when, that? well, he said when Pope Benedict allowed for this, he wanted to have greater unity. He wanted to bring people that were on the fringes back into the middle. Mm-hmm. But from his perspective, from Francis's perspective, and from a lot of, he, he did not make this decision in isolation. He surveyed all of the bishops of the world. Oh, and Benedict? Uh, Francis did. Oh, Francis. And so apparently what he got back. That's very on point for Pope yeah. Francis. He's the people's. Well, most popes do that. Oh. It's kind of a Pope thing. Yeah. All of them? Well, yeah, some of them may not have done as well about that. But um, <laughs> so the, apparently what came back was that it's creating more disunity than not. And so uh, it felt it was felt that a lot of the people who were attending the Mass and their leadership, the traditional Latin Mass, uh, 
didn't feel like that the new mass called the Novus Ordo, which is called the new mass, even though it's been around now for 50 years, 50 plus years, um, 60 years almost. The new mass. Yeah, the new mass um, wasn't valid, that it wasn't, and or if it was valid, that it wasn't as good. And that Latin, saying mass in Latin, is superior to saying oh, mass in well. the vernacular. And that there was also a sense of, that some of these groups felt like, okay, we're the real Catholics and the rest of you that just go to regular mass or the new mass. Okay. You're, you're kind of, you know, and so I actually heard or read one priest put it this way. He said, yeah, you know, the new mass is okay, but it's like baby food. <laughs> if Too you, easy. yeah, if you want, if you want uh, real food, Adult food, you should go to the traditional oh, Latin mass. That that is that's some shade right there. Yeah, it's some shade. And that's so I think after shade. eight years, it's not like he did it right after he became Pope. <laughs> after eight years, so he's been sitting on this. Like, he said, "Enough is enough." And so he put some restrictions in place. He hasn't totally forbidden it. Uh, bishops have to give permission. Mm-hmm. Um, in consultation with, with so if, Rome. So if I wanted um, a Latin mass, I'd just call up a man, Bishop Medley, and he'll be like, sure, or... No, you would have to have a significant group of people that would uh, want How many that. signatures? Yeah, you have More a few than, hundreds okay. of people, you know. It's like, um, don't, don't call yeah. me again. But here's the deal. <laughs> I can say mass in Latin anytime I want. Just not the traditional Latin Mass. Oh, I can say oh. the Mass that you go to every Sunday, right? That yeah. you go to every Sunday. Leave, I can, leave that in there. <laughs> I can say that Mass in Latin. Yeah. And need no permission to do so whatsoever, other than people wouldn't like it because they're not used to it. And so how how is your Latin? I can read and speak Latin. That's, but, Give but me very, something. Um, Semper okay. ubi sububi. Okay, wait. Which means he's... always wear underwear. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. That's not what I thought you were going to say. You can say, I'll teach you some Latin. Well, wait, wait, wait. Okay, I'm going to say something and then I want you to respond in Latin. Okay? Well, I might not know how to respond yeah, in Latin. Yeah, you you'll you know said. this. You'll know this. Peace be with you. Et cum spiritu tuo. That was awesome. Yeah. So, <laughs> anyway. Welcome to the Lord. We at, at the university during Lent and Advent, we do the Holy Holy and the uh, Lamb of God in Latin, just as a way of adding something different for the seasons during Advent, Advent and Lent. Oh, that's, that's, said, yeah. that's nice to give it, you know, a little. Jazz. What was that? Jazz. Some jazz. Yeah. Like so let me ask you all: when you go to Mass, what what is, what's most meaningful to you? Okay, is this a question that you know the answer to? No, 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 I don't know. And it's not a right or wrong. I'm okay. just inter interested. <laughs> because I know what the answer should be. Um, it should be the Eucharist. But there's no should. I, it, it should be the Eucharist. But um, for me, and you know my journey home to it the is, Catholic it Church. It is the Eucharist, Catholic. the whole thing. That's right, yeah. However, and tell me your thoughts on this, because for some of us Catholics, we're just trying to get our foot back in the door. Right. And we're we're not really thinking about the ins and outs of every little thing. We're not there yet. 
we're just trying to figure out if we still even have a place, if we still even want to go. And if we do, well, what's, you know, if we have problems that we, we can't quite see past with the Catholic church, well, why don't we just go to another denomination? So coming, coming back though, and figuring out, you know, what is it that's keeping me Catholic? Okay. It's Mary lover. Um, but I, I'm thinking during dur- during the mass, what I love is kind of what I was saying earlier is I can go to a church anywhere around the world. I can be on any layover and go in a church and I feel welcome there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes I feel more welcome at churches where I don't understand the language than I do locally. Because I mean, the judgment doesn't really come through <laughs> there, you know. So, but I, I, I love being Catholic and going to a Catholic church and mass because of kind of the camaraderie and and the responses and you know you know what's going to come next and you have it ingrained even if you don't understand the language even if you don't know the language yeah you You, you know a sense of the four parts that we talked about yes you get a sense of it and you know when to stand up and sit down and and you you feel a great sense of pride when you're able to do that and so i love that and i love um um wait what you're talking what you're what you're what you're what you're focusing on which Back to the original question: What do you get most? What is most meaningful to you at mass? The community is the community, yeah. And, and that I, is what the new mass was trying to promote: was a sense of community that we all said the prayers together, yeah. we all received communion together, um, and that we became one in communion. Because that's what yes. ultimately, you know, the mass is all of us participating in the life and ministry of Jesus, and especially the moment of his death and resurrection. And when we receive his body, we all receive the exact same spirit. Um, And we become one. As St. Augustine said, I said it earlier, we become what we eat. We become the body of Christ. And if you remember earlier on, I said, this ties into what you were talking about earlier about the going to Guatemala and the service. The idea then is that the mass is not just for me, it's for us. And then what we do then as the body of Christ is we go out those church doors Mm -hmm. and we change the world, Mm -hmm. graced by God. And so what you're doing in Guatemala is a perfect example of that, is taking communion, taking the Lord with you in service to others. And, you know, everyone has a place at that moment. Well, and the community aspect is very important. I mean, even, I mean, I've, I've never been on, have you been on a mission trip? Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've been on lots, but I've never been on a mission trip. I don't really like calling a mission trip. I don't either. So what do you like to call because it? Because I feel like mission trip implies that I'm doing, you know, here That's I am, exactly the it. white savior coming <laughs> into the developing world to, to save these people because they can't take care of themselves. It's really more about us being given the privilege well, of serving. And that that's what I was what I was about to say is is it's not um someone had asked me, "Oh, is it like a mission trip?" I'm like, "I wouldn't consider it that." But more of what you're saying, I'm going to 
I want to just share community. I want to hear about their You're going story. to learn as much from them exactly. as you are going so to I give to So I feel like if anyone's getting a mission, it's me. Right. Right. <laughs> so just to, just to, to learn and appreciate and, and share the, share a community. So, and so if, if we are going to mass just for that part right now, is that okay? That's perfectly okay. Because that's ultimately what mass is all about. We receive Holy communion. And even if we can't receive Holy communion for whatever reason, we can still be united with the people that are there in prayer. Well, I, I know. Okay. So last summer, um, I just felt just felt like I was being called back to mass and I hadn't been in a while. And I just kept thinking, please, no, I I don't know. You know, I don't have, I'm not the person I need to be to be going back to mass. And then I thought, Oh, but I miss, you know, just being a part of it. And I miss the stained glass windows and I really missed having a practice on Sunday. So I thought, okay, just go for that. And then it's God kind of finds you and and figures out a way to get through. So what you're saying is it's okay. Whatever gets your foot back in the door, right on that way. (laughs) Go for whatever reason you want to go to. Don't feel like you have to, you know, we, we hear from people that have offered us some feedback that they feel like they have to be a certain way to call themselves Catholic or to go to mass. Go to mass with who you are right now, not who you were 10 years ago or who you will be 10 years from now. Go with as the person who you are right now. If it doesn't square with every last bit of what the Catholic Church you know, presents itself as, that's okay because you, as a Catholic, no matter how you present yourself as a Catholic, are part of the total church. And so the Catholic Church is you. You are the Catholic Church. And the Catholic Church is you, not in some idealized way, but you exactly as you are. And yes, right. there are people who don't like that. Right. But don't let them stop you. And... and. For me, trying to keep in mind that the me I am right now, it it's it it's where God wants me to be right now, and I hope to grow and get better. But it's it's okay if you don't have it all figured out, or you're not the Catholic you you want to be, or if you know you're you're getting a few comments of well, what are you doing here, just. Reminding yourself that you you belong. Yep, and God wants you there. And without you're the community you, we need. And with it, and it's not that you need the church so much as the church needs you. And okay. I'm talking to Drop all of you all. The mic. Say it again, louder for the people in the back. It's not so much that you need the church; it's that the church needs you. If you're not there, if you're differences or dissenting opinions or whatever they might be, or your different conception of God, without you, the church is impoverished. And maybe that's a good place to wrap it up. No. Rebecca's been telling us to wrap it up now for the last five minutes. No, no, you can't. More. (laughs) She's holding up more detail. So Father Larry, whenever he'll drop something so good and juicy, right when we're getting the wrap up sign. And I'm like, 
No. Well, maybe that's just it. Maybe if it's that good, which I, I'm sure I'm not. I know I'm not the first person to have said that. I've no, probably you're heard the it from first somebody else. person who's ever said it to me. Is maybe just let's just sit Are with that. Are you kidding me? No. We've got. We need to go into that a little more, and we might do it the next episode. So what? What more can be said, though? I think sometimes. Are you kidding me? Listen. I, sometimes words are best. If sometimes if you just Father Larry. sit in some words rather than try to explain it multiple different ways. Father Larry, these are words that some of us have never heard before. Well, and I'll say it again. It's not so much that you need the church; the church needs you. Why? Because. God put you in the world to be part of his family, to be part of the body of Christ. And so if you're missing from the body of Christ, it would be like if my pinky decided to walk out the door. So so you mean that the the church needs me, my dissent, my questioning, even if the night before I'm saying, uh, you know, I can't believe the church's stance on this. I don't agree with it. No matter no matter where my heart is or what I've said yeah, about it. I mean, that's what I said, right? So <laughs> well, I, I, a lot of times in Christianity though, we say we are open. Right. We say that we love everyone, but we're kind of seeing through this podcast, we still get comments and feedback that are going against that completely. Right. Because not everybody so it, it's to me, even though I know you don't want to beat a comment to death, these are things where it's like, we've all heard these things before, where it's like, we love everyone. We're going on. But you don't feel it. But we don't feel right. it because we know that you mean you love the me that I, that you want me to be and not the me that right. I am. Right. So I, I, we need to know this. Right. So what, what is the church's benefit? To have Catholics who are unsure, who are like, I don't know if I can continue down this road. I don't even believe some of this stuff. What what benefit is it to you all? Well, to you all, we all. I mean, it's not like I'm sitting here perfect and, you know, a, a perfect Catholic. I mean, we okay, are. You're a priest. What are, are you talking about? We are the church, all of us together. We are the church Do with all ever... of our faults, all of our, the parts of us that aren't quite where we need to be, uh, where God wants us to be, uh, because we're still alive. I mean, we're still, you know, as long as we're living, we're not going to be where God calls us to be because we're, we're, we're on a journey. So well, you if, s- you're, if, if you're not there, then your journey is not represented in the church. I mean, we are a pilgrim church. We're all moving together to something great. Um, And your journey might be a little bit more zigzaggy than somebody else's journey, and that's okay. But you know what? That person whose journey is a little bit more straight-lined needs to be able to hear from somebody whose journey is maybe a little bit more uh, convoluted because otherwise they're going to think they're perfect. Otherwise they're going to think they have it all together. Whereas somebody whose journey is a little bit more all over the place, they're bringing more experience to the life of the church. We need to hear questions because in 2000 years, it's not, we talked about this one time in in our group, our Halfway group, faith is not about understanding right now Faith, theology, the definition of theology is faith seeking understanding. We are looking 
for understanding. It's not having found understanding. It's looking for understanding. Mm-hmm. And all of us are in, in movement. So if we don't include everybody as part of the Pilgrim Church, we are impoverished because we don't get to see when, everybody else's perspectives. When you say impoverished, is that, can you be clear on that? Do you mean um, like y'all are losing a little money on losing all yeah, of us? No, or no. do you mean something a little, just. It's more of a, a metaphor type thing that if I'm impoverished, it means my life is not like as rich. Like spiritually. As, and- it's not as rich as it could be. You know, so if I don't know people who have a different journey than I do, then all I know is my experience. Yeah, it's true. Therefore, my life is impoverished. Yeah, yeah. So you, okay, so you said something a minute ago, though. You said um, even you, even priests have, don't always fall, even priests sometimes fall short. Oh, yeah. Don't have it all together. Not sometimes, always. So... You're telling me that if I'm in there having anxiety, like I don't know, I have questions on this, that there's at least one other person in there. And it's the priest who is worried about those things too sometimes? The priest is probably up the altar is thinking, how can I be in this position Really, for these people. Okay, that makes me what feel a lot better. Yeah, I and mean, if, you're, if we're being honest, yeah, most people are, I mean. Well, that honesty is appreciated. You, you you know, I think when you get you have these experiences of people who you feel like are judging you at church, mm-hmm. sometimes people judge you because of their, their own inadequacy. Mm-hmm. You know, so sometimes people it says come more across about them than about yeah, you. Sometimes people come across as judgmental. I guarantee you, most of the people in, in church on any given Sunday, because they've taken the time to go to church, they could have just stayed at home. They take the time to go to church. So that says something about their desire. To be better, right? People, yeah, and people who write us who say, "I'm, I'm, I don't feel right. I don't feel like I deserve yeah. to be Catholic." And I'm like, "You are asking the questions. You are listening. You have a desire to learn. Right. That in itself is huge." I mean, how many people are in that church on any given Sunday who regret something they did at work that week? Who may be had a fight with their spouse the night before and they're still feeling bad about it. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they didn't feel like maybe their kid got into trouble, their teenager got into trouble and they're feeling guilty mm-hmm. about it uh, and not living up to who they're called to be as a parent mm-hmm. or as a spouse or as a friend or an employee or an employer, or whatever it might be. I guarantee you all human beings go through moments like that if they are at all reflective, if they ought to all think about who they are in relationship to each other. And I would argue that maybe a lot of people in church are that, or otherwise they wouldn't be in church. They'd be sleeping in. I, sometimes though, I think it's the opposite. I think sometimes it can feel like the ones in church are the ones that are, I'm here and I'm I'm here because I, I, de- I deserve to be. It never struck me that other people are sitting there um, thinking and uh, really examining their own conscious and that kind of blows the lid off of this. So go, so going to mass as opposed to sleeping in on those days, which is every week for me (laughs) where it's like I've fallen short in some way. So what is, what is the benefit then 
other than just feeling like, all right, I, I did one good thing. I can let my mom know, you know. Well, what so you, what's, you said how, it earlier. What, what was it that you said that you get most out of mass? Community. The sense of community. Yeah. And it's not just you getting community. It's the community getting you. Which, oh. goes back, which goes back to what we said earlier is it's not so much that the church, you need the church. It's that the church needs you. So it's a two-way street. Community is a two-way street. It's not like, oh, I'm one sitting here basking in community. The community is basking in you. We run things. Things don't run we. Miley Cyrus. Look it up. Who? Miley, Miley Cyrus. Miley Cyrus. <laughs> On that note, should we wrap up? We will wrap up, but I've got to say these are the things that are important to hear. You know, we're having our fish and potatoes. Right. All of that was potatoes. This is the fish hearing about your vulnerabilities that we're not the only ones. That speaks more to me than anything else right. because as I said, just to kind of, you know, reiterate as Christians, we're pretty good at saying one thing, but our actions right. show something differently. Yeah. We're all hypocrites. We're all hypocrites. We're all sinners. <laughs> yeah. And, but that there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of that right. to where it, it really scares a lot of us away. Yeah. So I think even though it feels like a small thing, maybe to you saying, I think for me, it's a big thing to yeah. hear. And and here's the, the other side of this. Are we as a church doing a good job making sure that people understand that the community is less if you're not there? I don't think so. Are we doing a good job making sure that we all understand as Catholic Christians that being judgmental doesn't bring people back to the church, doesn't make people feel welcome in the church. Instead, it drives people away. So that's the judgmentalism the that we don't want. Yeah. Sure. It's so a bring your own chair. It's no, a crazy church. Lots of us are crazy. Lots yeah. of us are different. But so approach, your chair is your chair. And maybe approach the approach the judge the judginess as you would your crazy aunt on Facebook. Right. Just, you know, observe it and don't absorb it. <laughs> observe it and don't, don't absorb, absorb it. it. With that, are we ready for a closing prayer? Yeah. Okay. All right. I've got one today. Oh, do you? Just have kidding. Oh, I was going to say. All right. Since we're doing the mass, I've got a prayer from St. Thomas Aquinas to Love pray him. before mass. It's a prayer before mass. So this is from okay. the 13th century. So it's a few hundred years Thomas old. Thomas Aquinas, patron saint of colleges uh, yeah Catholics? theology i was way off <laughs> no colleges and universities yeah oh, okay. yeah yeah so let's pray in the name of the father son and holy spirit amen, amen. almighty and ever-living god we approach the sacrament of your only begotten son our lord jesus christ we come to the doctor of life unclean to the fountain of mercy blind to the radiance of eternal light and poor and needy to the lord of heaven and earth Lord, in your great generosity, heal our sicknesses, wash away our defilements, enlighten our blindness, enrich our poverty, and clothe our nakedness. May we receive the bread of angels, the King of kings and Lord of lords, with humble reverence, with purity of faith, the repentance and love, and the determined purpose that will help to bring us to salvation. May we receive the sacrament of the Lord's body and blood and its reality and power. 
Loving Father, as on our earthly pilgrimage, we now receive your beloved Son in the holy sacrifice of the Mass. May we one day see him face to face in glory, who lives and reigns with you forever. Amen. Amen. This podcast is ended. Go love as you have been loved. Peace be with you. And with your spirit. And Godspeed. (laughs) Godspeed.